0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Peter Sims. He is an author, speaker, and entrepreneur. He uh, co-authored a book called True North, which I read uh, a while ago, and we're going to talk about his newest book called Little Bets, How Breakthrough Ideas Emerge from Small Discoveries. So, Peter, welcome. Thanks for joining me.
1: John, great
0: to be here. Sorry so, about that noise. So so have you is there a crime you've committed? You want, you to, committed you to, that <laughs> I need to know about <laughs> maybe here? Maybe we should restart that. that no, this is this is live radio. My listeners <laughs> my listeners under realize that it's live when they hear good things like that. It happens happens every now and then uh, on my end as well. So let's just let it rip. Awesome. <laughs> great, John. Right. So, um let's define what a little bet is first just so we sort of have a baseline.
1: Sure. So, you know, we think we have to have Big ideas or brilliant ideas often before we do something new. But in reality, that's not the way things work. Uh, for most, I mean, we studied over 300 innovators and creators just to understand how they actually work. People like Chris Rock, the comedian, let's say, will make hundreds, thousands of little bets on ideas in small clubs when he's developing a new routine. He has no idea what's going to work and what's not until he actually goes out in these small clubs and, and, and literally tries lots and lots of possibilities. And from that, he learns where the opportunities are going to lie, watching every little gesture in the audience. And he builds night after night jokes into, you know, more developed jokes and then into a full act. So for him to, to come together with a new routine, he takes take six months to a year. But that's how it works. So a little bit extra, these small, affordable actions that we can take to discover and develop new ideas.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times people see something that becomes fully developed, and it's like, oh, that's brilliant. You know, How did they come up with that innovation? And, and a lot of times it's, well, it was a sort of a 25-year overnight success, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you look at the history of yeah, companies, it's that way for sure. We look back and they say, oh, it started with this brilliant vision. But, I mean, if you look at Starbucks or Google or any of the great companies that have emerged over the past 20, 25 years, it's just not the case. I mean, Google started as a project where Larry Page and Sergey Brin were trying to understand how to prioritize library searches, and they were able to solve a, that problem and apply it to a much larger problem. Starbucks started um, by Howard Schultz wanting to recreate the coffee experience he had in, in Milan cafes, but the first Starbucks he started in Seattle had non-stop opera music playing baristas wearing bow ties, which they really found uncomfortable, and and, and no chairs. So it had to evolve. And so it's just a little bit about how do you think in a more evolutionary way when you're developing ideas.
0: Yeah, and I think some of the greatest innovations, I mean, we could probably sit here for 10 minutes and just list them, uh, are, are things that were done because somebody needed something. You know, in their own company, they couldn't get, you know, they couldn't do CRM the way they wanted or, you know, or project right. management right. the way they wanted. And so they created right. something for themselves, and they realized hey, that's a pretty cool tool. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, you know, this. your message, of course, runs a little counter to the kind of, um, you know, uh, may, maybe we've all gotten a little more conservative with the downturn in the economy, but certainly the last 10 years and everything coming out of the Internet has been, hey, you know, go really big and, and you know, burn through, burn through whatever money you need to, you know, to make your big idea, you know, come to fruition. But are, are we just sort of uh, maturing around that idea?
1: I definitely think that notion has changed. I mean, that was certainly the case in the dot-com era, but, you know, I was in venture capital at that time, and and we saw so many companies just go into the wasteland with that mentality. And so, I mean, today, you see a, a few different rising schools of thought, especially in places like Silicon Valley. One of those is what they call the lean startup, which basically very simply says that, you should try to really understand what problems you're solving very early, so put out what they call a minimum viable product, just something that's, 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 that's okay and not too embarrassing to put out in the world so you can learn very quickly whether you're solving the right problems and then iterate, 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 and build from there. And then there's another school of thought called design thinking, which, which advocates something very similar. So this is really what's dominating the discussion these days amongst you know, startup small business owners, and we'll continue to.
0: And so the so the word bet certainly conjures up for some 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 people uh, gambling betting. Um, is there? I mean, are we talking about taking on an inherent risk that, in in an effort to you know maybe have a whole bunch of little failures so you have the the big the little win? Right.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, a bet is just an option to yeah. learn, and that's how I use it. But but yeah, I mean, it's exactly lots. Of, the reality is if if the reality is is that. Really great ideas evolve from lots of small failures, if you will, mm-hmm. small things that don't eventually work. Up, they piece together what what is working and learn through the process to, to build. I think of it as building blocks. If you look at how people in the military think when they're doing counterinsurgency, or if you look at how a lot of um, how a lot of you know people like an architect like Frank Gehry work, they call it something like consolidating gains or using building blocks. So, you find a piece that works, like a piece of a Chris Rock joke that works, and then you just keep building on those blocks that are working. And, you know, it's a learning process from there.
0: Now, did you find, and I know you talked to maybe hundreds of companies by the time you were done, but did you find is there sort of a, a repeatable process that these companies seem to go through that if I'm sitting out there listening, I say, okay, I like that idea of, of you know, little wins. You know, is there, is there sort of a way for me to go about this so that I can start consciously discovering those?
1: Yes. Well, the, the book is organized around a series of methods such as small wins and consolidating gains is one example of that. Um, another example of that would be just the ability to do prototyping, mm. um, You know, the ability to take really low-risk, uh, low-resolution ideas and put them, say, on a piece of paper that you bounce off of your colleagues or, or, or your customers who you trust to very early in the process understand whether you're going down the right path. Procter & Gamble has has really tried to grab it towards using more inexpensive low risk prototyping making things out of cardboard or duct tape literally <laughs> at first and and see what, see what works before before going too far down a path because if we if we work to develop a perfect idea then we're going to be very emotionally attached to it and so that's going to create its own set of problems but then even more customers aren't going to feel like they can provide input into the into the process of, of that next idea, product, service, what have you. And so the more you're able to, to, to lower those barriers, the quicker you're able to be sure you're identifying problems that are, are new and fresh and, and oftentimes unarticulated. So there's other examples of these methods in the book to figure out how to do that quickly and strategically.
0: Well, and I, and I think that for... Certainly, small companies have discovered this, but I mean, you mentioned Procter Gamble. Even the largest companies have probably discovered this. The internet has really sort of enabled that. Hey, let's let's put the prototype out to eight customers, you know, and not That's tell right. anybody else about it, and and see what happens. And, and I think yeah, that the, the tools have really come along recently that that so have really allowed to, that. Able to do that. Yeah, exactly. And and
1: every company can can use that as, as you know as an advantage.
0: Now. I'm sort of torn, and I'm sure some listeners might be too, hearing this uh, because, you know, there certainly is a school of thought in business that, that some of what we're talking about is something that you might do, say, in a strategic plan or in a strategic planning exercise, uh, you know, once a year. I mean, can you plan out sort of a series of these little bets with the idea that, that they'll turn into one big bet, or is, is that the wrong way to approach this?
1: You know, this this book is not about strategic planning it's about getting out in the world to do things to discover what to do it's it's sort of the opposite of planning and and so that the point is is that if the best ideas and insights are going to be out in the world don't spend time in the office one of the chapters is dedicated to this this to this reality that the best ideas and insights are out in the world so get out of your office yeah um, is a really important principle that that all these types of folks we interviewed talked about and 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 so no it's it's really just it's it's about it's about kind of being able to think differently, we all know how to solve known problems pretty well. we all know how to mm-hmm. think when we we have knowledge but but how do you create knowledge? How do you actually get out in the world and create knowledge and that's what this book is about
0: yeah, and I think that that also brings up another great point I, I think some companies probably struggle from as you said if if we know that a customer has this problem, we can try to you know gather some resources to address it, but a lot of times the biggest innovations come about. In discovering something that we, you know, a problem we didn't know they had, you know, right. or, An articulated um, problem. yeah, yeah. And, and I think exactly. that in many cases that's probably what particularly small companies struggle with the most. I mean, how do you? I mean, I, I think what you're what you're advocating is you don't know what those are, and there's no sense trying right. to figure them out necessarily. Go out right. and throw some stuff out there and, and see uh, see what sort of resonates. This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at ConstantContact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. right I
1: mean when when Frank Geary I mean Frank Geary, the architect, right. designed Disney Hall when he starts a new building, he literally just begins by crumbling up pieces of paper or cardboard and you know literally using things like duct tape, and then he goes out to his clients and he puts him in front of his clients and says, "Listen, this is just a very early prototype, very early version. I just want to see if we're kind of headed down the right path here and and from that process he'll he'll be able to understand some of their needs in the case of Disney Hall he was able to understand the importance of acoustics to the the symphony and you know he would not have known that going into the process but the more he's able to get out there and really just immerse with his his audience in the the, the the more that those types of insights come out and there's a whole bunch of research that shows how this using these kind of anthropological techniques can help to identify those unarticulated needs so i think it's something any of us can do it's just we never learn how to work and think like this in in school straight through business school which is a puzzle to
0: me, and I think that's going to change. Well, yeah. Good luck on that one. Um <laughs> it so, yeah. No, I think it is. But I think, boy, there's certainly a lot of forces that seem uh, um, seem destined to, to to not allow any any change in things like curriculum. I mean, I still talk to a lot of um, college and and uh, graduate uh, marketing folks, and you know, they're still teaching some stuff that was you know 50 years ago. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> you know another uh, challenge I suspect um, that, that that maybe doesn 't seem quite as obvious and, and and I do want to talk about some of the folks that you interviewed in some of the sort of case studies. Uh, that yep. you came up with, but but I imagine for some people, you know, it's not enough to just create these. I, I, in fact, I run across companies all the time that are creating these innovations, these little bets, and these little wins. They just don't recognize them. Uh, they, you know, they don't realize the opportunity that they might be sitting on because they you know think everybody in their industry does it that way or something and and i i sometimes think that there's sort of two parts to that it's one is getting people to do this testing but then the other is getting them to you know to understand when they're sitting on a, a real opportunity and and i i wonder if uh if your research sort of turned up any any of that kind of a and b sort of uh, parts of the equation the
1: you know, Jeff Bezos, I think, and Amazon do a very good job of making little bets and then and then developing those little bets to see what's going to work. I mean, to your point about people solving problems internally that they can then take broader. I mean, that's how Amazon was able to get its Amazon Web Services, all these back-end services off the ground as small bets. And, you know, the way they approach it in the way Bezos thinks about it is if we think, if we're excited about this bet, if we're excited about... Uh, some, some idea that we've been exploring. If we think it can become at least a $10 million business, that's our threshold. If we're excited about it, it and we can see it at least getting to maybe $10 million in revenue, then let's put some of our best people on it and, and see where it can go. So the, the, the senior team, the S team at, at Amazon, is very involved in that process and constantly kind of weeding out and, and deciding what bets to double down on. So I think it takes that type of leadership to be able to, to do this effectively, to be able to do anything effectively as a business. Um, so there's very, 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 very high amount of involvement from the S team at Amazon.
0: Yeah, and I, and I guess if you're going to do this intentionally, right, as, as a strategy uh, to, to make these small bets, and certainly um, some some way to measure and analyze them yeah. uh, yes, has to be absolutely. part of that. Yeah, it's, it's not critical. I mean, yeah. part, of the,
1: part of the idea of a small bet is you have to decide up front what you can afford to lose in. And you also have to decide what your constraints are, what your time, budget, you know, all these different constraints are. So you can measure against those parameters how you're doing over time. It's
0: yeah, critical. and and I guess, I mean, that's really a great point because there certainly are so many, not so many, but a portion of people that would listen to this and think, okay, I just need to be trying a whole bunch of new stuff. Um, and, and obviously that can take, you know, that, that, Sort of approach can can uh, lead to taking your eye off the ball of the stuff that is actually making your money,
1: right? Exactly, no. and it's not strategic. So yeah, no, so that's part of the point of these chapters is to provide you know a way of thinking about this in a strategic way.
0: So I'm talking to Peter Sims, author of Little Bets: How Breakthrough Ideas Emerge from Small Discoveries. And uh, Peter, I wonder if you could share a co- couple uh, maybe ideas of some of the companies that that you found that that do this process very well and and Again, I know you've mentioned a few of them, but uh, but maybe even particularly those that that if somebody's listening could say, "How I'll, I'll go study what they're doing to to kind of learn from them."
1: Yeah, I think the companies that are the best at this are uh, are Amazon um, and Pixar. Pixar is a company that you know started off as a hardware company. So just kind of example of how they think about small bets. It began you know in the mid '80s, a hardware company. Steve Jobs bought Pixar and. Really expected it to be a hardware company, but mm. the people there were making small bets on making short films, you know, one to two minute films to really learn how to tell stories and, and do the technology behind filmmaking. And then that that has to extended today, so they do just reams and reams of of small bets uh, with each film. I mean, they they literally develop each film through a similar approach as as the one Chris Rock uses, except they show their their material internally uh, before they before they develop the next. Stage of of the of the project, and so just just creating that kind of mindset though that experimental mindset runs deep at Pixar and, and, and Apple as well. I mean, Apple has a design culture in its DNA, and so those are those are all companies that do this very well. And you know, to learn more about companies, uh, you know, they're, they're featured in, in the book for one, and then I have a whole bunch of of in the back of the book. I have a whole bunch of resources and extended uh, you know bibliography of, of places to go for further. Research and reading. I mean, the book is packed with a lot of research, and you know, people can go to the back of the book and find out more about some of those companies.
0: Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I do a lot of of uh, teaching. Com- you know, a lot of companies are very tactical, and especially in their marketing, and they want to know, you know, what's right. the new thing I need to do. And I, I do a lot of teaching about developing strategy, marketing strategy first, that that you can then use. To, to kind of fuel what's the right tactic um, and and I think right. that uh, you know that might be an, um, a safer way if you will or or certainly a very tried and true way to start looking at some of these little bets is you know is there something we can do that that certainly would already support our you know, right. our already stated objectives yep. or or exactly. positioning or or marketing yep. strategy and I, I think yep. that might be one way to to kind of start getting started if you're trying to because I think a lot of times. Uh, business owners and marketers, you know, look at this. Look at ideas, new ideas, and and they can sort of get overwhelmed because you know you could take this idea and say, okay, let's look at every aspect of our company, and um, you know that might actually lead to to doing nothing. <laughs> right. Well, this is
1: very simple. I mean, that's why it's a little bad. It's just anybody can make a little bad. Anybody can scribble like you know. When I began this book project, I scribbled ideas down on sheets of paper that I bounced off of my family and people I trusted to try to understand if I was onto something interesting. In fact, the, the title for the book, the core idea for the book, came out of that process, out of you know, one of the ten discussions I had. And then you know, when I showed that to people who were you know, in publishing and, and agents and, and editors and whatnot, everybody thought it was a great idea, but it was something that I had developed in a very low-risk manner mm-hmm. through this rapid iteration early to see what was going to work and what wasn't. So, so anybody can use this approach. And I just think it saves a ton of time, and it also unleashes creativity because you're just combining all these learnings that you make using these low-risk bets, and it speeds up the whole process.
0: I would think that it would be kind of an interesting element uh, of of an organization's culture too to to sort of introduce that idea of yep. and I know you know the Google is sort of storied uh, about telling their designer or their uh, programmers to take you know x amount of time every week to just work on something that they want to work on um, sure. and, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that you probably could install that as as a bit of a culture as uh, get everybody uh, you know the old the old suggestion box <laughs> You know becomes uh, the, right. this idea of little bets. Toyota
1: does that very well, and, and Procter and Gamble is—that's exactly what Procter and Gamble is doing—is moving towards more of a small bet culture. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that 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 sort of dovetails with this whole idea of a lot of a lot of the really big companies are trying to find ways to act small, smaller right. in general. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and because I think they've, you know, the internet particularly uh, sort of made them vulnerable to this kind of, you know turning the big giant ship um, yeah. uh, approach and a lot of small companies are you know kind of ate, ate their lunch in, in certain categories uh, for example one one of my favorite stories method um, which uh, is a Household, you know, cleaning products yep, company, sure. you, know, you know, really kind of, I know, I know for so sure. Kind of, kind of stole the the green cleaning uh, uh, market right out of, you know, underneath Procter and Gamble's uh, nose, frankly. Yep. Um. And yep. so, uh, absolutely, you know, certainly, certainly, uh, um, I'm sure small co- or large companies are trying to trying to react to that and get a little more nimble. Um well Peter thanks so much for joining us and uh on top of all the places people can buy the book do you, do you have a site dedicated to the book where people might find out more or or, or at least find out more about what you're doing in your your uh, other work
1: Sure it's it's just www.petersims.com, and there's a there's a link to a free um, excerpt of the book there on the site, and lots of other articles and resources. So yeah, absolutely. No, thanks so much for having
0: me, John. You, you really bet. All right, take care, Peter. And maybe we'll we'll see you out there uh, um, talking to small businesses about strategy someday. Absolutely. All All right. Right. Thank you, John. Take care.